With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the last playoff edition of the True Blue LA podcast. Eric, how you feeling? Wait, <laughs> The last, like, like we're done of the pot for the playoffs. <laughs> oh, 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 gotcha. Yeah, okay. we're done. Oh, um, no, new worry. You and I have will be born anew next week. We, uh, <laughs> full yeah, of so optimism. Not, not only does baseball season end, like, see, it, it which you know, uh, it's a little bit of a gut punch, uh, that the season's over, but then also today's International Cat Day. It's like the world is slapping me in the face today. <laughs> so, yeah, just pawing at you, so to speak. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So the Dodgers in the World Series were terrible. Yep, that. Yep, yep that. Um, Walker Bueller, great. <laughs> um, and that that's about it. Yeah, so last we recorded was after the first two games in Boston when the Dodgers were down 2-0. Um, and then, you know, uh, we were, so we'll sort of re- recap the, the home games, which was, you know, three games at Dodger Stadium, but it was really like four because... Yeah, I was about <laughs> because, to say, it was like two yeah. and a half games of excitement and elation, and then a game at, at game and a half of of just horror. <laughs> just nonstop gross. So you know, uh, like, and we've talked about this before, my, my sort of long... Long-standing goal is to cover to cover a twenty-inning game, right? And I just want to and, attend one, but right, we, we share and, that. And so the longest game I've ever done uh, is I'm trying to think. It, it was well, it was game three, eighteen innings, like the the longest postseason game ever uh, by time by innings. Um, and I think I saw Jeff Sullivan tweet this. They were just bar- barely short of. Um, the longest in one sitting time game, yeah, like, like in baseball minutes, history, twenty five minutes, yeah, and like of any game, which is yeah. insane. I mean, just keep in mind too, like games, um, you know, in the first half of the twentieth century, they were they were called for darkness a lot, which is like <laughs> seems like such a caveman thing, you know, like we we can't play. The gods have not provided us light. Um, so yeah, but yeah, game three was 
like just insane. Like, so you mentioned Walker Bueller, right? Like that, that was Walker Bueller's game. Like um, they, they scored early. And I think we, we may have talked about this um, uh, before, like we were saying how you knew one of the left-handers was going to do something because, and then people were going to be like, see, I told you they should have started, you know, these dumb platoons. And the, even ignoring the fact that like a right-hander was starting in game three, and that's why they were back in. But anyway, so Jock Peterson homered and gave the Dodgers the one nothing lead, which Walker Bueller made hold up. Um, he pitched seven innings, and they turned it right over to Kenley Jansen, who hadn't pitched in uh, about a week. Um, and uh, so, and then Kenley gave up a home run in the eighth. And, you know, it, this was like, you know, a lot of people called it like similar to game two last year against Houston in the World Series where Jansen tried to pitch two innings in relief. He gave up uh, an inherited run on like sort of a that, that play that Puig almost caught in right field. Um, so at uh, in the eighth inning and then in the ninth, uh, holding a one run lead in his second inning work, he gave the tying home run and then the Dodgers went on to lose an extras. So this time he gave up the home run in the first inning. So if this wasn't an issue of like, they're pushing Jansen too hard. Um, you know, second inning of work, he's fatigued. He just gave up the tying home run as if it was, you know, in it, like if, if it was a one run, a one inning thing that there, there's his home run. So anyway, it's bad. It's a trend. We we've seen this with Jansen um, for all year. He gave up more than double the home runs he's ever given up in a season. So in uh, it's been up and down. So it's bad. Um, and then, but anyway, they, that game just kept going. The, uh, the Red Sox took the lead in the 11th and then the Dodgers tied it on like one of the more bizarre plays ever. Uh, uh, Ian Kinsler at second sort of got eaten up a little bit by a, a hop and then was off balance. And they, if he, I think he had time to reset and just throw a regular throw to second or to first, but he sort of like chucked it right away and it was so bad and then allowed the timer to score. And then it kept uh, Max Muncy in the uh, 16th inning uh, almost hit a walk-off home run that maybe missed by a few feet down the right field line, uh, just foul. Uh, and then in the 18th inning, he hit the an actual walk-off home run. So yeah, seven hours and 20 minutes, uh, crazy game. Uh, but it, again, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but you know, Dodger offense sort of struggling they won the game, but it took them 18 innings to score three runs. So ugh, it was, uh, but it was a thrilling game. And but it was just it took forever. Like it ended at 12:30 um, local time and 3:30 for yeah 3:30 for people back east. So like my brother was in Baltimore. He's texting me still at the end of the game. I was impressed that they were all up. Had a nephew from Texas was texting me. Same thing. He's on your time. Uh, so yeah, cr- just craziness. And like everyone was pretty much a zombie for the next like day or so. Yeah, no. So like I said, it ended two thirty Kansas city time. My wife went to bed around, I think the 10th inning, maybe a friend who was staying over the night, went over, went to bed, was not a baseball fan, but enjoyed watching me squirm, went to bed, I think in the 15th inning. And I, when Muncie hit the home run, I had as visceral and gut of a reaction as I've ever had. And I just screamed uh-huh. at the top of my lungs and I did not, there was no consciousness to it. It just occurred. Uh-huh. Um, I don't, neither my wife nor my friend remember waking up, but I'm fairly sure I woke wow. both of them up cause I could hear the, the wood Creek uh, above me. Wow. But it was, my wife, so, I, you know, sorry. so, uh, to quickly recap, I tend to not watch playoff games unless the Dodgers get a big lead, except, I watch the ninth inning. And no matter what, I will watch the ninth inning. And apparently, I will also watch extra innings. So I got to watch, <laughs> watch a full game of baseball and then some. <laughs> so, yeah, in a lot of ways, I'm glad the Dodgers gave us a happy memory. And then in game four, we had another one, the Puig home run. I was watching my godson for his birthday, but check the score right when the Puig home run happened. And was the, like four to zero. This is great. The Dodgers have a more rested, more rested bullpen. I thought uh, they're going to tie the series up. It's going to become a best of three. This is wonderful. And so I started paying attention because the Dodgers were winning by a lot of runs. And then immediately when I started really paying attention, uh, the next home run was given up. And 
no, nothing came back from that. Yeah, and so we were talking about like signature moments. You know, Bueller was obviously great in Game Three, and then Muncy had the walk off, so that was like the high, the one sort of lone highlight. But I thought from at this point, like um, the Dodgers, like oh, we I sort of remiss about this. Like, a the, the both teams used like everybody. Uh, they set all sorts of records in that game. Uh, they used twenty three players each. Each team used nine pitchers. But like the Red Sox were going to have Nathan Evaldi, game four starter. He pitched six innings of relief and gave up the home run in his seventh inning. He was great. Like, and he took the hard luck loss. But man, like it, it was almost like this legend of Nathan Evaldi was building in that. And, and uh, it was, it was no doubt like a great performance, especially given that he also pitched in relief in games one and two. Um, but yeah, what, what an amazing sort of performance that was. But then, Game four, you uh, oh, so anyway, the if they were down three up, three nothing, you know, everyone knows that's it's a death knell. That, um, like even in World Series history, in like a best of seven, uh, when anyone's up three and nothing, uh, I think it happened 24 times, and um, the the team that was ahead swept in the uh, 21 of those times, so like. And then the three times that the teams that were down one game four, they immediately lost in game five anyway. Mm-hmm. So, like, you're done at three nothing. You, even I know the Red Sox came back in the ALCS, whatever. But, um, but yeah, like, you you know you're done at three nothing. And the Red Sox, you know, their credit, they were going for it. Like, they're like, we'll figure it out tomorrow. Tomorrow we're trying to go up three nothing, and it just didn't work. And and so uh, by all accounts, with no Evaldi and the the Red Sox sort of having to scramble for game four, it, it all of a sudden looked like, man, the Dodgers are going to tie this series. Like, um, they're right back into it. Um, and especially, um, uh, so you go into game four and, like, uh, Rich Hill pitching well, um, and they they finally scratch across a run again on an error in the sixth. So they're up one nothing, And, again, the offense struggling. We'll get to that later. But, um, and then... Uh, with two runners on in the sixth, the signature moment for me for this World Series like had to be Yasiel Puig's home run. It was a three-run shot. It put him up four nothing, and like he immediately like raised his arms. It was like this joyous moment, and like you're thinking, and like right away, like Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound was like throwing his glove to the ground, <laughs> and uh, like it was like I was I even tweeted I was like, "There's your cover shot," you know, like that's that's the World Series for the Dodgers, like you know, kind of. What happens, and then like almost nothing went right from that point forward. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. so um, there's a uh, Kiki Hernandez home run tucked away in the depths of the misery. Right, and that's it. And, that and, was and the only up, good thing that happened. <laughs> they're, they're they're up four to nothing. In uh, it gets into the the seventh, which uh, you know it was the longest outing postseason outing for Rich Hill. We've talked about this. They've always had a short leash on him. Um, he has like a 266 postseason ERA for the Dodgers, but they've also managed him very well. Um, there was like a lot of like um, confusion about this, I will say. And I think part of this goes in, in a lot of this, or at least on Twitter, um, the sort of way quotes are parsed, it makes the interpretation bad. But um, yeah, so... This is the day after an 18 inning game. Uh, the bullpen, for the most part, is like kind of shot. You know, mm-hmm. there's not, you, you, of, of all the games to sort of push Rich Hill, this was the one. And he was pitching into the seventh. So, like this, they were, from their standards, pushing Rich Hill. He got, he put a better on, but then he struck out a guy. And then, so at this point, Brock Holtz up, a left hander, mind you. So you'd figure left on left, Rich Hill could probably face him. The, so the confusion sets in is this. Um, before the seventh inning, uh, Roberts and Rich Hill had a conversation, and Rich Hill said, like, keep an eye on me. Um, you'll, you'll, you know, whatever. If you if, if you see me, like, you know, think I'm getting tired or whatever, take, you know, whatever. But he wasn't, like, saying, hey, I'm tired. Take me on. I think that's how it sort of got interpreted because this came to light. I think Dave Roberts in the postgame in game four was talking about it, and – he sort of explained this meeting and I think it got tweeted like Rich Hill told Dave Roberts he was tired, which wasn't the case. Um, but anyway, um, th- th- what happened? Well, that's what happened. And then, uh, so with one out, one on Brock Holtz up, 
Roberts comes to the mound. Uh, this was sort of clarified uh, on Sunday after the fact um, that at this point, Roberts didn't, he said he wasn't, he hadn't made a decision yet to make a pitching change. And which was rare because Rich Hill was saying like, like every time he comes to the mound, it, I'm out, you know, like that's, that's generally a thing. So there was this weird situation where like Rich, as Roberts approached the mound, Rich Hill started walking down the slope of the mound toward Roberts thinking like he's clearly pulling me. And Roberts kind of like in a weird way, like saw that, um, as like, oh, he, he, he wants to come out. And I during some course in the next few moments, like Roberts decided to take Hill out at that point. On its face, you know, again, they, they, they always take Rich Hill out early. You know, it's a thing. I don't know. But they, he was he was already like sort of pushing it. But then again, he was awesome. Like, too, he gave up a hit. But we've seen Rich Hill. He can kind of lose it in a hurry. Uh, walk a guy, walk a guy, then home run. It happens. Whatever. I mean... I would have let him face Holt. And I think that's where the sort of the unraveling sort of began. But, um, you know, they, uh, they brought in Alexander, uh, who was a lefty who walked Brock Holt. And then, uh, that put, I was joking at the time because I thought they were going to bring in Ryan Madsen. Um, and I was like, well, you know, cause he has to like have an inherited runner at least to, <laughs> to come in. No, so how they, about two? Yeah, they waited until after Alexander walked away. So Ryan Matson, who had let all five inherited runners score in Boston in the first two games, comes in with two runners on and then, uh, like, gives up a three-run homer, like a Matt Stairsian three-run homer to uh, Steve yeah, Pierce. Yeah, and um, so this makes it 4-3. The Dodgers are still leading. Uh, but, man, so Ryan Matson, a clean seven for seven. Uh, seven inherited runs, but... The home run was his run, so he actually gave up a run in the World Series. So uh, he it was uh, he didn't get to have the spotless zero zero ERA with seven and hair runs. But anyway, that's bad. But what followed was like um, this. We're in this weird time now, where suddenly everyone's clamoring for like, why didn't they go to Pedro Baez? That's the. Um, <laughs> I don't know what universe this is, like uh, where all of a sudden he's the clear-cut savior. Uh, I, I get he's been really good, but like at the same time, people wanted to run him out of town, you know, uh, months ago, if not last year, and even more. Um, but anyway, uh, and also what we didn't know until after the fact was uh, we assumed, but uh, Pedro Baez, Julio Urias was were unavailable in Game Four. Understandable. Um. Long game the night before. Someone's going to be down. Bias pitched two innings. Urias won, but he's also, you know, rarely pitches back-to-back. Regularly a starter. You get why they're being sort of cautious with him. Um, I just, for as a quick aside, people are saying, oh, like, how could you be unavailable for the World Series? You know, it's like... Yeah, and then, they, you, com- it's, then they compare yeah. just how frequently Alex Cora has been using the same pitchers, starters, over and over and over again, and... Yeah, right. Like people were saying, well, uh, Eovaldi told Price he was available in game four. I'm like, yeah, he said that, but he wasn't really available. You know, like uh, just he just said that because that's fun to say. And he's Bill Brasky, basically. Like, <laughs> um, and, and so uh, but then also you look, look, you know why he was unavailable? Because they try to they're not this isn't willy nilly like they're they have like the medical team, like sort of monitoring these guys uh, during warm ups the next day. How are they feeling? That kind of thing. And that's really the determination of it. So, but you saw last year in the World Series, the middle three games, man. Brandon Morrow ended up pitching in every game of the World Series. Had he pitched in six of the games, like they might have won, because the, the, when he pitched in the third day in a row in Game Five, he pleaded like they didn't want to use him, and he pleaded to go in, and he gave he gave up like four or three rockets, two home runs in four batter space, didn't record an out. And they lost that game in extra innings. So you don't bring Brandon Morrow in, maybe that Dodgers win it in regulation. Who knows? But um, like, yeah, and I just want to clarify. You said you would have kept Hill in for Holt, uh, as yeah. would I. We don't want to come across as if we think Dave Roberts is blameless here. He, I think, yeah. he made a um, number of mistakes, especially certainly in that game and throughout the postseason. But the issue is every manager is going to make those mistakes. And it's easy to make call the mistakes because you think of 
doing the decision differently, and you are always going to assume the sunny outside. And that's not necessarily going to happen. The issue is that Dave Roberts may have cost the Dodgers some amount of win equity throughout this series, but it Mm -hmm. is dwarfed by how awful the offense was, how bad the bullpen was, and how mediocre uh, Clayton Kershaw was. And I'll give Ryu a pass in the World Series, and then obviously Walker Buehler was great. But he is so low on what the manager did in this World Series, and it's dwarfed by how much good I think Dave Roberts did throughout this season. So, But yeah. just to be clear, we don't want to say Dave Roberts is perfect and he did great and we love him and all, uh, all of that. Right, exactly. And then to sort of more to your point, like I, I also think the, the other main or mistake I thought was um, uh, Roberts uh, in game one, um, uh, the big mistake was when he brought in Madsen in relief of Kershaw. I was about to Madsen, say, in general, it's his trust in Madsen, I thought. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah. The fact that all of a sudden Madsen's the have-to fire stopper, but the, the fact that Madsen, like, didn't have enough time to warm up, like, mm. that he wasn't, like, ready. And so, like, he and Madsen said as much, like, the next day. And so, uh, in, credit to Grant Brisby, because we were in Slack, we, you know, during the game, we're, we're sort of going over stuff. And um, he, at the time, he's like, Madsen, like, barely warmed up. Like, you know, and at the time, you didn't think much of it. Um, but then it was it, that Madsen said as much the next day. So it's like, yeah, he didn't. So he, he was sort of rushed into that game. The next day, when he brought, was brought in, you could see they kept stalling with Ryu on the mound to give Madsen more time to warm up. So they were, like, aware of it. But How'd that do? Yeah. <laughs> right. <And> so, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, like, no matter what. But And then back to, so back to game four, um, uh, like uh, they brought in Kenley again in the eighth. This is one day after he threw two innings. They let him throw the ninth in game three after giving up the home run in eighth. He was actually fine in game three after the home run. But then, um, so they brought him in in the eighth again in game four, and everyone's like, what, another two-inning save attempt? Like, But honestly, like we don't know for sure on this, but it seems like Jansen was only brought in in the eighth because – It was the heart um, of the lineup. Yeah, hard to light up. So that's what I assumed. Right. And that's, that's like actually progressive and and like a a thing to be sort of celebrated. Like for all his faults, Kenley is still the Dodgers' best reliever. Like, sure, Pedro Baez is great uh, or has been great, but like, (laughs) right. Just like I like that clip. Right. Right. (laughs) So like, let's assume he's like all of a sudden, you know, awesome. Um, so, but still, Kenley Jansen's still better. Like, you know, even a diminished Kenley Jansen. But anyway, um, so people were clamoring at this point for Baez because they didn't realize he was unavailable. But given that he was unavailable, it's understandable why they did this. They go to Jansen, and he gives up another game-tying home run. <laughs> so here, the problem with this is, like, yeah, if you're, like, you know, generational-type closer – um, probably the best relief pitcher in franchise history. Don't at me, Ron Paranowski lovers. Uh, but if Jansen's going to keep blowing saves, like that's a problem. Like that's that's not like on the manager necessarily. Like so, it's it's bad when, when your when your star players are not performing. You're going to look bad. But anyway, but and then it unraveled after that because. Literally every reliever Roberts brought in gave up a run, and they weren't didn't have Baez, they didn't have Urias. Um, so it was six different relievers gave up runs in that game. It was a uh, it tied a major league record. Um, <laughs> oh boy! So, yeah, and uh, for any game, not just postseason. Um, so everything was bad. And then uh, flashing ahead a little bit, Baez was pitched. He did pitch in relief in Game Five when he was available, and he gave up a home run. So like every like. It's like everywhere Roberts turned, it like it, at some point it's like when every choice you make fails, uh, or like when every player doesn't perform, you know, maybe it's not the, the choice itself, but the players are like I think Kershaw's quote yesterday after game five was maybe it wasn't a personnel uh thing, maybe it was a just play better thing. <laughs> like and that's pretty much right. Um but yeah, so game uh four was a disaster. They were up four nothing in the seventh inning. Uh they lose nine to six. So the, the Red Sox poured on five in the ninth uh, after Jansen was out. Um, 
and it was just a, a shit show. And like uh, Kiki Hernandez hit a two run homer in the ninth to pull him closer. They put another runner on, runner on, but didn't really threaten. Uh, Kiki had a really bad uh, postseason uh, overall. We'll get to that in a second. But um, so yeah, that that's the death blow. You, they're down three nothing, or I mean three one in the series. Um, that's yeah. never good. And I think like, that's you, that's the moment where I and I assume many other Dodger fans kind of made their peace with this season. Right. <laughs> Whether like, that was, in my case, that was a sad place. A lot of people, it was an angry place. Yeah, John Wiseman was has always written well about this, uh, talking the about best. like the the losers' <laughs> so dividend. So good about writing about losing. <laughs> yeah, and so like uh, that was kind of Sunday. You're like, well, they're they're going to lose the series, so it's the, let's just enjoy what we can out of this game or whatever. Um, Which but yeah, wasn't just very some, much. <laughs> no, oh God. So for history, and now we can include the Dodgers in this forty nine uh, or forty eight times. Um, uh, what is this here? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. So 48 times a team has gone up 3-1 in the best of seven World Series. 41. Uh, yeah, 41 times the team has won. So it's bad. Anyway, um, game five, we get uh, Kershaw and David Price in a battle of um, – it's like a postseason narrative off. Uh, only Price – this. Price has like managed to like completely turn that narrative on its ear over the last like two weeks, and the fact that he did that leads you to believe that like the these postseason narratives don't really matter. Like in the fact that they can like change on a whim, like literally, it, um, you know, it just it just is what it is. Like it, uh, both have been bad in in the postseason relative to their. Uh, regular season work. Uh, Price Kershaw even uh, after losing Game Five, and Price after like two really or three really good starts in a row, plus a relief appearance mixed in there. Um, he his postseason ERA is still worse than Kershaw, which tells you something uh, about how like struggling uh, he had it. But anyway, um, Game Five, uh, Kershaw was. He gave up a two-run home run in the first inning. He ended up giving up three home runs total, four runs in seven innings. You know, not the not the worst start, but you know, you're with no offense. They they only scored one run in game five, so it didn't really matter. But um, Kershaw gave up nine runs in eleven innings in the World Series, so um, that's bad. You know, like there's really no no other way to put it. So it, you know, you, you understand why. Like, th- this isn't, like, a made-up narrative. It's just the fact is, like, Kershaw is not as good in the postseason as he is in the regular season, and that's the conundrum. Because his regular season numbers suggest he's, like, one of the very best pitchers of all time. He's, like, the best pitcher of this generation. But in the postseason, the numbers are, are not good comparatively. Excuse me. His regular season ERA is um, 239. Now he's at... 432 in the postseason in 152 innings. So this isn't a small sample. He's had some really good games, including this postseason. He's also had some stinkers. Uh, and yeah. so and you some just of have that, to take and the, yeah. we, we talked about this on an episode, I think, maybe right before the playoffs began. A yeah. lot of the, like, even if you take out, because he was, you could argue, mismanaged uh, for the first sure. however many playoffs. And even if you take that out, he, and he's a fine pitcher in the playoffs and some of that is that he's going against really good offenses uh, a lot of really good pitchers will put up mediocre numbers Chris Sale has been uh, has done it kind of throughout his career uh, similar-ish to how Kershaw has performed but that's still no excuse it's still worse than you would expect even given that you're going against good offenses even if you take out kind of the some of the games where he was mismanaged and even if yeah. you take out some of the bad luck of if if Kershaw leaves the game with runners on base, they are going to score. It's just how this works. Exactly. And so, in fact, I wrote about this a couple weeks back, and I ended up updating it last night. But uh, Kershaw in his, um, what is it, last one, two, his last seven postseason starts where he's left with runners on, um, the bullpen has allowed those runners to score. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, actually, all but one runner in that span. But in his postseason career, um, uh, 16 runners left on base when Kershaw leaves the start. This is covering uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different starts. 
and 13 of those runners have scored 80 percent you know the normal like scoring rate is like 30 percent. but you know i went and looked at like the base out situations and you can get like a run expectancy for those in the last seven times uh that kershaw has done this like more runs have scored than would have been expected during like given like average situations in those so in fact, to the point where instead, you know, he gave up those thirteen inherited runs that were charged to Kershaw's ERA. Um, you would have, in normal circumstances, you would have expected about five and a half runs. So he he got like an extra seven and a half. But like, even if you remove, like, you just say, look, we're not going to penalize Kershaw for this, and you remove it, even that, like, his starters ERA in the postseason four forty three. It lowers to just three ninety six. Yeah, so you're exactly you're really yeah. And so the av- like the average starting pitcher ERA during Kershaw's career is three ninety. So like the fact that like even if you're giving Kershaw credit, he's an average starter in the postseason, and that's not good. It's not good enough when you're Clayton yeah, Kershaw. That's, it just that's isn't. how to put it. It's not good enough. Yeah. So it's it doesn't mean he's a choker. Yeah. It doesn't mean you you absolutely shouldn't bring him back if he opts out. Right, and so I don't know. It just and we'll just talk kind about that a little bit, I'm sure. Yeah, and um, but just before we sort of get into like that mm-hmm. stuff, I, I know I we ended up I think sort of jumping all over, and that's my fault. But like, just I want to just touch on just some other things. The offense was just terrible. Awful. Like, yeah, like um, and to, and put, as an example that I won't always, I'm not a always defend Dave Roberts position. I do yeah. not. Un- I was saying before the World Series began that Kike should not start a game. Period. I don't care about the platoons. I don't care about history. He has not looked good, and he sh- is a liability if he's in a starter, even with the uh, defensive prowess that he provides, and he's hitting third. And I understand that where you hit in the lineup doesn't matter that much, yada, 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 but it still did not make sense to me. The, the fact that he was hitting third in game five was just like, okay, like this, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I, you could argue, like, because I know that everyone complained about platoons regardless of like facts that they work. <laughs> but like, uh, <laughs> but like, that. it just didn't, um, like, lit- like almost literally everybody sucked in the postseason and, yep. and especially in the World Series. Like, um, so here, I was going to quiz you on this. Okay, no, so no. Yasiel Puig. Uh, Yasiel Puig hit 250. He was five for 20. He had the big home run in Game Four. 250 in the World Series. Where do you think that ranked among Dodgers among in batting average? Our uh, zero sample size. I'm trying to think. Was there a pitcher that got a random hit? No, no, you, no. You, probably not. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, any any sample size. Anyone who, yeah, yeah, who yeah. batted. I mean, I went into this saying uh, I was going to defend Walker Bueller, and then the next player I was going to defend was Puig. So is it first? Oh man, it would have been great if it was first. I wish it was first. <laughs> um, it was third. Okay, um, who's above it? So, uh, so David Freeze, uh, okay, sure, who sure. Uh, he was he was five for twelve, uh, and home run and a triple, uh, and and a walk. So he hit four seventeen. Justin Turner hit. He was eight for twenty eight for twenty four. Seemed like he had a quiet series. But I'll tell you why it seemed like that. So he hit 333. It's because he didn't bat with a runner in scoring position until uh, the third inning of Game Five. <laughs> like that's 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 stupid. Like he he batted before that six times with runners on base. Every single time it was a single runner on first, and that's it. He was three for six within those times, <laughs> like before Game Five, and including a double. But like the double didn't score the run. So. Uh, not ha- not giving your best hitter um, like opportunities is a recipe for disaster. Uh, and then the the one time Turner finally bats with a runner on scoring position, David Freed's got a gift triple last night in the third. They were Dodgers were down two one. This is kind of a key moment in the game. JD Martinez is terrible and right like couldn't see the ball and it bounced behind him and it was a triple for Freeze with one out. And then so Turner's up prime scoring opportunity. First pitch ground up to short, <laughs> like just the, one of the more deflating things ever. Like, and then uh, Kike, who was batting third, uh, then then flew out. Weird that he didn't drive in the run. Um, uh, just just to, to pile on here, just uh, Kike for the entire playoffs, and he is not alone in this by far. Uh, five for forty-one with two home runs and five walks. His OPS, we hit one twenty-two. 
His OPS was 486. Hmm. Um, there are <laughs> there are actually there are actually two Dodgers lower, <laughs> and, and 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 one eerily close <laughs> to him. So I'll, I'll, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, okay, so you talking about like Turner, right? He was. Um, you know, he was getting on base, uh, just not getting opportunities to drive in runs. Um, but uh, so Machado, though, Manny Machado was getting the opportunities and did not do anything like so. Uh, he Machado drove in three runs in the first game, didn't drive in a single run after that. He he came to the bat, came to bat 24 times during the series, 14 times there was a runner on base, mostly like Turner was hitting ahead of him, yeah, yeah sometimes <laughs> Muncie, and so like, but. He just didn't do anything. Um, Machado uh, for the World Series. Let me see what he did because uh, I thought I had it in front of me. No, four for 22, 182 with no extra base hits and a walk. So invisible um, pretty much. And just kind of drew the ire of like home and away fans alike. Like, like the, like, you know, he, 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 Kicked Jesus Aguilar. He actually stepped on Steve Pierce in this series at first, but that looked more legitimate, like than than nefarious. Um, but like he doesn't, he didn't hustle at times. He talked, he talked last series about how that's not his style. <laughs> like what a, I mean, just going out of his way to like be unlikable, pretty much. I think, <laughs> but also not producing. So in the postseason, he ended up. He hit three home runs. He led the Dodgers with 12 RBIs. In fact, man, nobody had more than eight other than him. <laughs> and so in the entire – they played one more game than they did last year. They played 16 games. He played in all of them. He hit 227, 278, 394. So, and he was one of the better hitters <laughs> So in the postseason. So it was bad. Um, so that was like the runners on base thing. I'm, I'm going over I, – I wrote about it this morning. Uh, it was just really bad. Like they were – uh, the Dodgers were held scoreless in 35 of the last 41 innings of the World Series, so it was bad. Uh, just bad all over and not not good. Um, but I wanted to go in. Okay, so for me, uh, another thing, like we talked about this a little bit last time, but, you know, the catching was just so terrible. Like It, it was so funny, like uh, Dave would eventually pitch hit for one of them, and I'd just yeah. be like, whatever. It doesn't, like, you know, with – his rel- his trust in Grandall in the NLCS was a little infuriating. It went away, and then Barnes was kind of maybe the stats and results were the same, but at least Barnes's approach looked better. And by the end of it, I was like, I just don't care. Both these guys are bad. You're right, and it's like if you they Grandall was struggling. I think he was replaced a lot more for his like defensive stuff than, and plus he was struggling at the plate too. But they managed to find someone who was worse offensively, like <laughs> than him, like uh, and, and Austin Barnes. So just the raw numbers in the in the postseason total, uh, Grandall was four for twenty nine. He had a home run and a double. He actually walked five times. Uh, Barnes was two for twenty nine with no extra base hits and uh, three walks. So uh, combined, that's not good. Six for fifty eight. Uh, barely over a hundred. Uh, Barnes is OPS OPS two twenty five uh, for the playoffs. Grandal was actually five forty one, which yeah, ahead of the Kike line as we as we put it. But uh, it it was just it's really bad, man. Like uh, so, okay. Who? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at this. Okay, Ryan Matson actually had the lowest OPS of anyone because he batted once and <laughs> struck out, so he was zero. Uh, but among non-pitchers, uh, Barnes had the lowest OPS at 225. There is someone in between Barnes and Kike uh, in OPS. Who do you think it was? Jeez. Uh, Who could it be? Da-da, going there. Was it Bellinger? It was. Yeah. <laughs> Six for 52. I'm so bad when you ask me yeah. questions on the spot like that. But when it yeah. comes to <laughs> bad, yeah. just how bad a team is, I got it. I've got this he, on lockdown. Everything was below 200. 115 average, 193 on base, 192 slugging. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Brian Dozier was two for 16. Your National League champions. He walked five. Yeah, how did they get the World Series? He walked five times. He OPS 489. Uh, Grandal was 541. Matt Kemp, four for 23 with a walk. 548 OPS. 
Jock Peterson, one of, like we're getting into the, you know, not good but acceptable. He was eight for thirty nine. He OPS six forty seven. He hit two hundred five. Um, Machado, I mentioned. Muncy was okay. This is where so the productive hitters are basically this. Muncy and he only hit two hundred, but he had a three fifty five on base and four hundred slugging. So he was like passable. He walked twelve times, led the team, but he was ten for fifty. And he struck out twenty three times, so uh, it's a, it was a problem. Um, Turner overall, he, he hit two ninety nine with a three seventy three on base, but he had he had the home run in Milwaukee. But other than that, only three doubles. He slugged three eighty eight, so a little bit of an issue there. Uh, Chris Taylor was actually really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he OPS eight fifty three. Puig was eight fifty five. Like those two were like really good, and so. And then we mentioned David Freeze. He ended up for the whole playoffs OPSing eleven ninety six because he was hot, and he, and he, and uh, mostly got hit against hit against lefties. And he really you know did well in those situations. So, but yeah, as a team, uh, it was bad. They scored sixteen runs in the five games, and one of those games went eighteen innings. So it was basically six games uh, for the Dodgers, and it was really bad. So the in the World Series, the Dodgers hit one eighty. 249 302 yikes yeah i looked that up after game four just how like how bad has this team just been on the whole and it's yeah. so no, usually no we talk everyone oh it's runners in scoring position it was that but it was everything like they were four for 20 with runners in scoring position in world series which was better than their normal line <laughs> uh, but the fact the fact they also had like uh it was like a couple walks and they had 25 plate appearances that's only five a game. Like that's, you can't live on that. You know, you have to get opportunities. So they didn't have the opportunities. They didn't do anything with the opportunities. So it was like, man, it was, uh, it was just bad. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, like, uh, there's a couple other things they, uh, so this is two years in a row that the world series has been decided Dodger stadium, but Dodgers weren't the ones winning. So, uh, overall, it's the first time the stadiums had the World Series winner in back-to-back years since 1976 and 77. Yankee Stadium, the Yankees won the second one, the Reds won the first one in that one. So, uh, the last team to actually lose back-to-back World Series at home were the 36-37 Giants. <laughs> so, man, Vince it's uh, team. right, exactly. So, City. yeah, was... uh, uh, John John Wiseman and Vince Scully, two people who can talk about can put the poetry to the my feelings when the Dodgers eventually disappoint me. Right. So they had the, um, I, I was, well, I get it. Cause Vin's sort of out of the public eye and sort of, you know, he's retired, let him retire. And yeah. not that I'm, but I was surprised that he wasn't sort of involved. I, I thought they might've brought him out at least for like a, from the suite uh, time. It's time for Dodger baseball or something like that, but never happened during the world series. They, uh, what was the – I'm trying to remember I, uh, who was the – oh, Lasorda threw out the first pitch in game three. He came in on the bullpen cart, which was cool because they actually got to use it, which was neat. Um, they had Dennis Eckersley throw to Kurt Gibson uh, in game four, which Eckersley is like the coolest sport, man. Like that, that guy, he's, he's like so confident. He's a Hall of Famer. He knows he's good. He's a really good announcer. and But like he he's like accepted like his role in that like – better than like anyone could have hoped you know like could have expected and he said that right after the home after right, right. that day yeah like, this is what they're gonna know me as and whatever <laughs> yeah but it, it wasn't true because he's a hall of famer you yeah. know and stuff but like yeah what a he's like i just love it they they're like they had a good friendship so that's even then game five was oral hershizer which was great uh but yeah so uh but yeah the World Series is over, and part of the being in the World Series or, you know, being sort of involved in the playoffs for so long, it's the offseason always comes at you so fast. And, like, uh, already, like, this happened yes last night on Sunday and already Monday morning, it's time for free agency. Like, <laughs> welcome to the offseason. Like, it, it's so uh, – it it, it, It's yeah. easier for me to say this when the Dodgers haven't lost in the World Series, but it is one of the things I love about baseball – uh, and then NBA as well is that it's just nonstop. You can just there's very not a lot of dead period. January kind of gets a little long in the tooth, but other than that, there's always something to go going on. There's always something to talk about. Mm-hmm. And, and for the Dodgers, so the right main away. thing, uh, right, is we'll we'll know by Wednesday, three three days after the World Series, uh, 
what Kershaw's status is. So we've talked about this before. He has two years, $65 million left on his contract. He has three days to decide whether he's going to opt out. He could opt into free agency, which is basically meaning they have three days to try to like work out some sort of like different deal um, or, you know, either tacking on years, tearing up that deal or, and whatever. So um, yeah, we'll, so we'll see what's going to happen there. I, I mean, if I'm a betting person, I think we talked about this. Kershaw is pitching for the Dodgers in 2019 and beyond. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, who knows what could happen? Maybe things go really bad in the next couple of days and they, they can't figure something out. I don't think it's going to come to that, but we'll see. Uh, so, it, but it's going to happen really quick. Um, the other thing, uh, the other sort of option involved is le- a little bit lesser, uh, not in importance, but it is. But uh, David Freeze uh, has a $6 million club option or a $500,000 buyout. Even in a like reduced role, uh, where like let's say he's just going to start against lefties and mix in occasionally other than that. I, I think on a they, ball I think, club that historic, like for the last few years, right. has struggled to hit against left-handers, seems pretty easy to me. <laughs> I think they pick it up. There's a chance, like maybe his market isn't six million, um, and for so sure. maybe they try to work out another deal before then. But I, I think they ultimately pick that up. So that's going to be this week. So the Dodgers have have seven free agents. It's um, you know Machado, uh, Brian Dozier, Yasmani Grandal, uh, Hyunjin Ryu. And then uh, Matson, Axford, and um, oh man, I'm already blanking on relievers. Uh, is bad. Hudson. Yes, Daniel Hudson. Yeah. So it's those seven. Um, qualifying offer stuff is Friday, the fifth day after the World Series. So you can't offer it to guys who were traded to Machado. Like he'd be a prime example if he wasn't traded, but he he can't be. I mean. You have to consider it for both Grandal and Ryu. I don't know how likely it is for either one. I think they they do, or I think they could. For this is one of those like I'm always like way more aggressive with it when it's not my money, you know. But um, <laughs> like Grandal, um, it's seventeen point nine million. It's a one year deal. If you decline it, uh, team, if you sign like over fifty million, like total deal, um, the penalties are much more steep. But if you're signing a smaller deal. The, the you know the team still forfeits a draft pick, but it's lower down. So I don't I don't necessarily think Grandall's going to go out there and command fifty million just because I think he hurt his stock given sure. like some of his defensive and offensive struggles in the postseason. But that said, he's been one of the most productive catchers the last like four years. So and catching is the it's thin in the majors. So like you know there's going to be teams that like need a catcher. So I think his market's going to be strong. So I think for that reason you offer the qualifying offer because thinking he's going to decline because of the strong market. And then on the off chance he accepts, the Dodgers still need catching for next year mm-hmm. because Kyber Ruiz and uh, Will Smith, I, they're not ready to, to like take over in 2019. And are you going to, and honestly, like Austin Barnes had one of the more disappointing seasons you could think of because after such a strong 2017, he was bad at the plate. Like, uh, in 2019 and like there's questions whether he can even be a full-time catcher if they wanted him to do that so like man it's it's rough so i think their best case scenario is honestly grandall accepting the qualifying offer yeah but like i think yeah i think you offer it to him thinking he's going to decline it and you just take whatever draft pick you get when he signs elsewhere but uh it'll be interesting to see what happens with him and then ryu injury risk um might want to come back to the Dodgers on a one-year deal anyway, or like a di- some sort of deal. I don't know. I don't think they offer him the qualifying offer, but you could sort of see it in, the, in a similar fashion. Um, but yeah, so we'll find this. We're going to know by the time we record next week the status of a lot of this stuff. Um, and then um, I guess the other big thing is um, is Roberts, Dave Roberts. Um, so he his contract status is he has an option, club option for 2019 which the club has not picked up yet. I think it's a more of a formality. I think what's going to happen is they end up signing him to an extension at some point. I mean, he can't go into next year with just one year. Like nobody, almost nobody does that. It's bad. Um, lame duck status, never good uh, for that. So I think they'll work out something uh, in the next week or so. Who knows? But uh, we'll find out. I know 
like we were talking about the just the every like the consensus Dodger online t- is uh, yeah the your yeah. I, I don't want to say Dodger Twitter because that that represents a family that you and I are part of and are right. a much more understanding group. But how about your mentions? Your mentions will not be happy when the Dodgers announce an extension. Oh yeah, like like people. Yeah, it's just gonna, well they yeah they're never going to win. They should have fired him. This was like gross mismanagement. You know that kind of like. And then, but at the same time, they'll be like, and they'll denigrate, like, why are they using analytics? Roberts isn't calling the shots. Well, it's like, well, then whose fault is it then? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I don't think that's the case. But, um, well, like, well, I would imagine by next week we'll have a pretty, pretty good idea of what's going on. It could be, like, sort of franchise altering, <laughs> depending on how things go. But uh, we will find out. But that's... That's where we're at. It's we're in hot stove mode now. Yeah, it'll be exciting to see. Like you said, it's really interesting that by the time we record next week, two of the biggest how, like how the Dodgers offseason is dictated really is going to get shaped by catcher and whether or not uh, Yasmani is offered and then accepts an offer kind of clears that up and then you know, someone to slot right around Walker Bueller to kind of head your rotation. And then, uh, and then, a um, little bit of Hunjin Ryu as well. Just what does that rotation look like? Will dictate the needs. You and I are going to talk about a little bit. I think you and I are going to try and make the best roster we can, assuming the Dodgers do zero trades and zero free agent signings. Obviously, they won't, but we'll see what yeah. where the Dodgers stand and see if we can get an idea of where their biggest needs are there. So, as it stands right now, uh, the seven free agents were free agents as of Monday morning. So the Dodgers have. 39 players on the 40-man roster. That includes Chase Utley, who at some point is going to be put on the retirement list, I'm imagining. Um, so it's really 38. Um, but I imagine, you know, they have like 13 ar- arbitration-eligible guys. Um, and I, there's going to be some culling of that ro- roster. Like, I think some of those guys are going to be either non-tendered or trying uh, try to outright them to the minors or even traded. So I, I think this, like last season, was a very quiet offseason relatively uh, outside of the the, um, the Charlie Culberson trade. Uh, but uh, this season I think is going to be a lot more active no matter what happens in this first week. Um, I think it's going to be it's going to be a creative offseason and a very different one than last year. So uh, we'll keep you posted every time. So, but thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, World Series is over, and happy off season.